It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament after Obadiah. It's a book of prophecy located right before Zechariah. Use the table of contents if you need to. Haggai, we're going to read the scripture first as we ready ourselves for communion. Haggai dated everything he wrote. And the lectionary includes the last half of the, ver- of the last verse of chapter 1 to give us context as to the year. So we will be uh, kind of starting there in yeah, chapter 2. We'll, we'll, say Haggai. we'll say Haggai chapter 2. In the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying... Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts. Once again, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all the nations shall come. And I will fill this house with splendor, said the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Haggai was the first prophet to speak to the exiles from the kingdom of Judah when they came back to Jerusalem from Babylon. Babylon had conquered them some 60 years before. But then when Babylon was overpowered by the Persians, the king of Persia allowed some of the people of Judah to return to the land. It's a small community who have come back to live and begin lives afresh in Jerusalem. And specifically, this group was sent to again build the temple, which had been destroyed. Haggai ministered as a prophet during the same time as Zechariah. He was older in years and had a more practical, direct style than Zechariah, but they collaborated In talking to the people of Israel. When you read their books, you will see that the subject is all about rebuilding the temple. Helping those who have returned to Jerusalem once more rebuild God's house. They did this because this is what God told them to do. So he would be honored. And also because having a place to worship is part of the identity as God's people. They needed a central place where God's spirit was evident, a place to gather, to bring honor and sacrifice, a place where they could encourage one another and work out their differences, a place where they could go out from 
and come back too. So rebuilding the temple was key to their future. I was thinking about when our lives are torn apart. However that happens, it's difficult to want to move on. Even if we try to do so, it's hard to know where to start. It's extremely overwhelming. The grief is raw and the trust is low. And there are differences of opinion about what it might look like. And we miss, we miss how our life used to be. There's evidence that Haggai himself knew Jerusalem when the old temple was there. The splendor of Solomon's temple was well known. It was a jewel to the Israelite nation. It was the place of government and the site where Yahweh was honored. It was palatial and majestic in every way imaginable. And having it destroyed was a blow to the people of God. It's surprising to scholars that in their being conquered and taken into exile, that this remnant of people even survived to come back. They get another chance from the Lord, and that is a gift. But it probably doesn't feel that way as they hear Haggai's words. They're poor. They're struggling to survive. The Persian king wants various religious groups that have been banished to be able to go back and express their piety. He gives them freedom for that. He even gives them money for that. But still, it's hard. How can the new even compare to the old? And there are neighbors, the Samaritans, who don't like it that the Israelites have returned. They don't want the people of God to be strong again, so they hold them back. They complain to the king of Persia, and things get stalled. It's so discouraging. But what really discourages and stalls the children of Israelite the most is their own hearts, is their own lack of motivation. They've been beaten down. They're afraid. They don't really have what it takes to try anymore. So they forgot the Lord's house and they spend time on their own projects, their own homes, their livelihood, their crops. This is where Haggai and Zechariah come in. In this short book, Haggai speaks four messages to the people and he precisely dates all of them. In the first message, he chastises them for neglecting God's house to work on their own. The foundation for the temple was laid some 16 years before, but that's all they did. And now things are languishing. God is not happy that they have left his house in ruins while they themselves have roofs over their head. So after the first message that Haggai gives, the people begin building again. What we read today, the words that we just read, is the second message after they've been working on it for over a month. Haggai is very clear with them that he is the mouthpiece of the Lord. He does not speak on his own, only what the Lord tells him to say. Today I want us to just stop and think about how it is that we get discouraged and hindered in doing the work of God. There are some things for us to consider in this section, and we're going to look at them verse by verse. So as we do and as we prepare ourselves for communion, let's think about 
how it is that we're doing the Lord's work in our lives, in this church, in our community, wherever it is that he has called us to be. First, in verse 3, it says, Who was left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? The people have been remembering how astoundingly beautiful Solomon's temple was. How Judah was a strong place, a leader in the neighborhood. It was awful for them to think about what they really couldn't accomplish. They have so many less resources. They have no center of government. How in the world are they going to make this place as grand as what was before? When we remember and long for what was, it can block what it is that the Lord is doing now. Sometimes churches focus in on the glory days. They live in the past, not caring that there's work to be done now because they spend their time remembering and lamenting days gone by. What should happen in those situations is for the leaders to take stock of how and why they declined to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Anytime an organization, a church, a family, a country, even a person lives in the wonderful days of the past, that's a red flag that the present is not being cared for in real ways. We tend to idealize how great the past was and wish that it was happening again. When we do this as a church, we're in trouble because God is always moving forward. He is always in the future. Of course, there are moments of rejoicing in what has gone before, but we always have to stop and pray and think, where is God now? What is he doing now? Where is he leading us and guiding us? When we take our eyes off of him and wish for what was, we miss the blessing of now. These people were kind of wallowing in their depression, not wanting to move forward. Let's not get stopped in our lives with the new work that God is wanting us to do because the past was so good. Every day we make history by what we do today. Next verse 4 says, take courage and work. Haggai is a practical man. This is not a message that is difficult to understand. Little work has been done on the temple. So the Lord is entreating them. Get moving. God meets us in the process of doing. Absolutely our doing comes out of our being. But we have to act. Just standing by doesn't get the kingdom built. These are the same words that David says to Solomon. When he was building the first temple. David was reminding his son that God had given everything needed in order to complete the temple. It made me think, you know, work is hard. It's arduous. It's exhausting for us. When the Lord asks us to do work for him, it then becomes a matter of obedience about whether or not we will do what it is he has asked us to do. This work in particular is communal in nature. God's people have to work in tandem for the temple to be completed. When some don't work, it hinders the whole project, and it can make other people feel dispirited or resentful, wondering why they're working when other people aren't. 
In this scenario, the Lord was calling them to build his house so that people could come and worship him. In our scenario, the Lord is calling us to work together and build his kingdom for the same reason, so that people can come and worship him. So where have we fallen down in the work? Where should we be acting instead of letting others do the heavy lifting? This is a timeless message. Go out, have courage, work. Next, verse 5 reminds us that his spirit abides among his people. Because of that, Haggai says, they should not be afraid. It's so easy to be afraid. Those who've returned to Jerusalem may remember the glory of God's house. It's been like 60 or 70 years. If they remember the glory of God's house, they also remember the brutal way that it was torn down. They've lived with the effects of having their homes and their lives and their livelihoods taken taken away from them with no hope of ever returning. Now they're back, and of course they're afraid. The opposition that they're having from their neighbors add to their disquiet. Oh, why work on something if it's just going to be torn down again? But God's word here is so powerful. How often are we entreated not to be afraid, not to be anxious in the scripture? It's such a primal feeling that we all live with a lot. God is telling them and those who come after them that his spirit abides among them so we can trust him more than our fear. These are fearful times for the church, in our nation, and in our world. Fear of those who oppose us can cause us to retreat and not live as boldly as the Lord wants us to. God is telling the Israelites to build a temple out in the open for everyone to see, including their enemies. He is commanding them to live out loud. So they would demonstrate that they belong to the one true God. Building the temple was a symbolic action of their identity and the future they were committed to. We also might be afraid to live out our faith. But we have to move past that to believe that the Lord is with us and is meeting us as we work for him. If we get paralyzed or terrified because where the Lord is calling us to live for him, we have to remember that he is among us and he wants us to trust him. Finally, verses 6 through 9 comprise a promise of what God will do with what is done by his people. This is a passage where God is telling them who he is and how his plans are so much bigger than the here and now. He says he will one day shake the heavens and the earth and all of the nations will know that they are accountable to him and his house will be filled with greater splendor than Solomon could ever dream about. And it causes us to know that we too wait for Messiah to come. He is the treasure of all the nations that is spoken of here, a strong ruler who is good and will banish evil from our midst forever. Jesus will come and fill the kingdom with his eternal presence. God will fill his temple again and make it his. What is interesting about Haggai as a prophet is that the people acted on his words. 
Some prophets spoke and nothing happened as a result of their exhortation. In this case, the people did act and the temple was built in four years. It was not as grand as Solomon's, but it was an important piece of history and modern day Judaism was born. A new day came. In our lives, we need to assess where we are and how we are helping to build God's presence where we are. Sometimes in our griefs, we can't bear to move on. And sometimes in our exile, it's hard to come back strong and trust we won't be banished again. Sometimes we're afraid of opposition, believing those powers to be stronger than our God. Sometimes we don't have a vision of what God is doing in the future. There are so many things to give our energy to in this life, but may we be people who give our all to build God's kingdom. The people in Haggai's time could only see what was in front of them, like us. But God asks us to build for what we cannot see. He asks us to make him a priority in all we do, so that he will be glorified in our midst. His glory is what will be left standing in the end. So as we take communion, let us consider these exhortations from the Lord Almighty given to Haggai for our souls. And are coming forward to receive what Christ has done on our behalf. Remember, it is so what he has done will be made known among the nations. So let us be vulnerable to his spirit as he speaks to us.